0: Hey everyone, it's Chris and Shells,
1: And we're so excited that you are joining us for our third episode of Since You're Here. And now without further ado, let's introduce our special guest, Kat.
0: So Kat and I go way back to freshman year of college at UNC. We spent a lot of hours eating at the Lenore Dining Hall. We spent a lot of time talking about school and faith and best ways to navigate life. So I'm so excited that Kat's here to join us for this conversation, and uh, I hope you all enjoy it too. At the end of the day,
1: if we're being honest,
0: we are broken people
1: in a broken world.
0: There's no getting around that.
1: We may experience this brokenness in different ways,
0: but one thing rings true.
1: If we aren't open and honest about our brokenness,
0: it will control us,
1: enslave us.
0: So our mission, and since you're here, is to have the difficult, honest conversations that we aren't having should be.
1: We believe that it's only through being transparent and unscripted about our brokenness and authentic community
0: that real healing can begin and God's grace can shine forth.
1: Thanks for tuning in and doing life with us.
0: We are really glad you're here. Somehow more than what I had
2: to start, yeah, I've got
0: spare.
2: Well, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? So, I am from North Carolina. Grew up in Stanley, North Carolina. Went to UNC Chapel Hill for college. That's actually where I met Christopher. Who? As freshman.
0: Yeah, that was a long time ago. I wear my
1: Chapel Hill beanie today, guys. <laughs> oh, good for you. Are you a Tar Heel? I'm a Tar Heel fan.
2: Good. Okay. I never went there, though. No, you're still Tar Heel.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and spirit.
2: Yeah. And so, in college, I was in a Christian ministry called Reformed University Fellowship. And uh, when I graduated, I started, decided to work for them. They moved me to St. Louis. I worked for them for three years at Washington University and St. Louis University. Really loved it, but that also helped me know that I didn't want to do college ministry for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. One really great part of working for them was that I got to go to a seminary part-time while I was working in ministry. So. Now I'm in seminary full-time, getting a master's in counseling. And I want to be a counselor someday.
1: That'll be really exciting. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you relate to this week's
2: topic. Well, this is gonna be interesting because I told my parents to listen to me being on this podcast and then <laughs> and then Christopher sent me the questions and I was like, oh boy, I got to talk about my parents. <laughs> so
0: at least they're not your clients so you're not violating any HIPAA violations.
2: that's true no yeah i mean i'm really glad that i love these questions that you guys wrote and i'm really glad that we're talking about this because relationships with my parents as a young adult have been pretty difficult and confusing to navigate and i think it's something that we like it's complained about a lot but we don't always get a lot of answers Mm. And I also think it's funny that I'm talking about this because I don't really feel like I have a lot of answers, but I do have a lot of experience with it.
1: And I'm sure you have a lot of insight as well, in addition to that experience, which is great. I'm especially excited about, you know, coming from the perspective of somebody that's going to school for counseling. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like almost like a window into the mind from a perspective of somebody who's like studying that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. So I think that's really, really cool. Christopher, how do you relate to this week's topic?
0: Well, similar to Kat, and, and Kat and I have had these discussions, I think,
2: yes, we have. Um,
0: over the years, and that's one of the reasons why I thought should be perfect for this this podcast. But I've just really struggled with the tension between being loyal to my parents mm. and then growing and giving myself the permission and the freedom to have my own opinions and it's something that we all experience but I think we like uh, Kat said we never talk about it not that we have all the answers by any means but to just kind of share our experiences and see how we've handled it you know maybe how we could have handled it better and, and then uh, of course how how Jesus kind of fits into that
1: absolutely the first question that I would like to ask is Kat how did you discover that it was okay to have different opinions from your parents
2: well I've had different opinions from my parents from day one. <laughs> Didn't like the way you came out of the womb? Yes, had some. I had some uh, points from my mom.
0: Why did you choose this hospital room?
2: <laughs> not what I would have chosen. But. And why did they give me the pink blanket again? <laughs> yeah, I was the oldest, and I was very much like a goody-goody, but I also would you know, put a toe over the line. I would push things to see, like, how far I could get away with stuff, you know? and mm-hmm. never went too crazy, but I think it was in college when I realized that I had believed and had been taught in some ways that honoring my parents meant agreeing with them about most things. Mm. And I started to realize, I started to have different opinions from my parents, I guess more different opinions, um, in college and realized, started reading the Bible and kind of trying to figure out like, is this, do I have like a biblical leg to stand on and disagreeing with my parents, but also like, you know, had really good mentors and friends like Christopher to talk stuff out with. Um, So that was, in college was kind of the time when I figured out like, oh, it's okay that we there's things that we don't agree with. I feel like college is
1: definitely, and Christopher and I were talking about this last week, but not even just college, the physical place to go, But just those years of your life, that age range where you don't really realize it, but you grow exponentially, Mm -hmm. like your brain develops, um, continues to develop into the full human being that you have become. So it's kind of like you're thinking differently. And then, of course, if you're in college, you're experiencing things differently. But there's just a lot of growth that happens during that time. And... Yeah, I mean, I could totally see like that being almost like the stage of your life where I feel like most people tend to develop different opinions, not necessarily because they were influenced, but because you were more curious for yourself Mm -hmm. about, you know, what is true. Christopher, how did you discover that it was okay to have different opinions from your parents?
0: Um, Well, that was kind of a longer process for me. Like when I would start to have different opinions from my parents, I, I would feel like guilty Hmm. um i was the first child like i was very loyal to them and so i feel like even in my mind to make sense of things if my if my parents said like oh you know you were wrong but like i felt like i wasn't i would still in my mind somehow rationalize like oh no i was wrong and they were right because you know like they're your objective anchored authority for objective truth you know up until that point in your life and so to say that they're wrong is admitting that you don't have an objective anchored truth yeah in life well your parents
2: like as a young kid your parents teach you about reality yeah like they teach you that if you touch the stove you're gonna get burned correct
0: yeah and to admit that they could be fallible yeah is like Scary. Yeah,
2: you don't want to admit it. They don't really want to admit it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you just kind of live in this little yeah. fairy tale box, of like, oh yeah. well, they have to be right because if they're not, I don't have a worldview. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think for me that probably lingered a little bit longer than it would for most mm. people. It's interesting. Have you guys seen the movie The Truman Show? Yeah. There, there's this awesome quote that like Ed Harris says in it, and he's like, he's like, people accept the reality with which they are presented, and we don't question it. We just accept that things are the way they are. But I think when you do go out of the house, you begin to question, wait a second. This is what I was taught. This is what I thought was reality. Is it actually reality?
2: But other people have a different reality. Yeah. So who's right?
0: Yeah. And, Yeah. and, and, And we, up until that point, we just assume what our parents say is reality. And I think the funniest instance of that is like, if you think back to elementary school, I think back to all my classmates during like election season they'd be like oh yeah you know like bush sucks or like you know (laughs) obama sucks or like um and uh and they would they would come up with all these things you'd be like oh did you see how bush was tapping his foot during like you know uh speech or whatever this is dating me when i went went to elementary (laughs) school um but it's like those kids they don't have any idea of the political characters that were Mm -hmm. up there
1: and you think that you do but you Absolutely do not, because whatever it means to you then means something completely different mm-hmm. like 20 years down the road. Yeah. And
2: well, you're just saying what, you're, what you heard your parents say. You're saying.
0: regurgitating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so as I kind of grew up and had good friends and, and started to have a relationship with God and I realized that he could be that external anchor of objective truth mm-hmm. to lean on, I felt more comfortable opening up to my parents and being like, Hey, I, I don't actually think that's true. Um, or I don't agree with that. So I think that kind of helped me shift shift my focus and my trust.
1: Yeah, that's that's good stuff. And I think, too, you know, there's going to be certain things. Like, you're talking about, okay, when your parents say, don't touch the stove, it's hot, Yeah, you're going to get burned. That's almost like, okay, that's a pretty factual statement. Like, if the stove is on, you, you probably <laughs> will get burned, you know? Like, mm. there's... There's not a lot of room for op- opinion. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I'm going to get burnt. I watch, you know? Yeah. But like, there are definitely things where you grow up, you wake up and you realize, I'm going to have a different opinion on this, but but that's okay. You know, like, not everybody's going to have the same kind of opinion about everything, but kind of being able to discern, okay, what did my parents teach me that I like? I know that I know that was proven to me? Versus, hey, do I have room to question this or explore this or find out for myself? I personally can say that a lot with biblical teachings because the first thing that one of my favorite Sunday school teachers ever taught me was to never take anything that was said for face value Mm. and to go Mm. research it for myself.
0: That's really good. And
1: I think that's important. So Kat, what are the biggest challenges for you in navigating parental relationships as an adult?
2: I think all of us are sinners. (laughs) 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 And I think, you know, another part of it is that your parents are your primary support system or should be, you know, until you turn 18 and you leave the house. And I mean, my parents, my mom especially, really struggled with how to let go and, you know, to care for me but also let me be an adult. Um, and I really struggled in like taking the taking their responsibility that came with that. Like I remember I lived at home the summer after my freshman year of college and I remember my my mom and I were getting into it and cuz she was asking me to do chores around the house and you know I was like doing some of them but you know not everything and Then when I wouldn't do them, she would give me more chores as a punishment. And so eventually I remember we had, we sat down and we had a conversation. I was like, okay, like I need you to treat me like an adult, like I'm 19 or whatever. And she was like, well, I need you to act like an adult. And I was like, yeah, oh, you're right. Like I'm not like that. Asking for that level of responsibility comes with like a work on my part too. And just being able to work through that, like neither of us really, you know, we didn't have a template, you know, I'm the oldest kid, you know, we didn't. We didn't really know how to do it. We just had to kind of figure it out. But my, my parents always say like, we're making it up as we go along. And like, I am too. And neither of us really, you know, we're gonna make mistakes <laughs> along the way. <laughs> you said so. you're the
1: oldest child? Yes. I am too. I, I definitely all resonate with that. oldest children. children.
0: Same, yeah.
1: Like you're, you're the one that, that gets like, you know, tried and tested. It's like, ooh, you know what? This is our first one. Yeah. So like, let's just, let's just see how this goes. And then like, by the time you have the second kid, mm-hmm. like, my my brother it was just like a totally different phenomenon Mm -hmm. although i will say i was i definitely had like some strange like teenage years so i feel like it's not completely comparable but i definitely think you're definitely more of like the trial dummy yeah Yeah. for most things which is why i think we're a little bit a little bit more beat up
0: (laughs) yeah well i think they're way more harsh on you because they're like oh we're parents we gotta get it right yeah. like there's so many things because it's the first time but then by that time you get to like the third and fourth when you're like oh all those little things i was worried about they don't yeah. matter like as long as the kid's alive healthy yeah. like you know has some sort of direction you know like you don't feel so constrained.
2: meanwhile we're carrying all those anxieties and all like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: yeah or even the mild ones where it's like okay you are not allowed to have a TV in your room. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to eat dinner on the sofa. You're not allowed to watch TV after, like, eight. And then, like, you know.
0: And then you come home and see your other family. Yes, they yes. <laughs> And they're,
1: they're, they're, you know, getting to eat their favorite nachos in their gaming chair right in front of the TV in the middle of dinner. I'm like, we always ate dinner as a family when I was around. Come
2: on, guys.
0: <laughs> I leave when you disintegrate all family values. <laughs>
2: Actually, sometimes for my siblings, it went the other way. like with me, my mom was like, she didn't know to set a curfew, but with my siblings, I came home and they were like, "Yeah, we have to be home by 11 I was like, "Oh, I never had a curfew."
0: <laughs> like, S- I'm S- sure guys. your mom was like, "Thanks for being so helpful by reminding them, cat <laughs> <laughs> <Probably, yeah.
1: laughs> Oh, so you're the reason that we have to be home
2: by a certain time now. I probably was." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I think uh, politics is another area that's been really difficult. I mean, I think that's been difficult for a lot of people, but that's been a huge source of frustration between me and my parents is like when we disagree politically, figuring out how to navigate that in a loving way. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I we, mean, we, we've all made mistakes in that area. Um, and trying to figure out, do we need to convince each other of this position or are we just going to have a discussion about it and leave it at that, you know?
1: Yeah, so, like agree to
2: disagree. Yeah, like I love you. I certainly don't yeah. agree with you. Yeah, but it's, here we go. It's taken us a while to get there. I think we still have some work to do, but yeah,
0: it's hard. I think there's an aspect to loving someone where you so desperately want them to be on the same page as you. Yeah, because I feel like you know you miss out on that intersection in life, and mm-hmm. but the way we can handle that can be unloving. Yes. So. Yeah.
1: And Christopher, what about you? What are the biggest challenges? for you in navigating parental relationships as an adult?
0: I think that the biggest thing has been setting healthy boundaries has Mm -hmm. been a challenge for those of us that know the Enneagram, I'm Enneagram one, but wing nine. So like, I don't really like conflict. I'm like kind of a natural peacemaker, especially in my family, you know, and I'm also the oldest child close to my parents. And so like, it's hard to say no. Hey, like I'm setting this boundary because it feels like cruel and restrictive that I'm like cutting something off, you know? Mm. But I think that it has really been like the healthiest thing to do. I think the best way to do it is to not just withdraw and have that boundary just in your mind, but just be open and honest and be like, I appreciate that that's what you think about that Mm. topic. But for our relationship to be healthy from my end, I would really appreciate it if we just you know didn't go there yeah and my parents have been really receptive mm-hmm. uh, to that and i've been really encouraged and i feel like it's built more trust with my parents that i'm like okay i i can say what i'm thinking and i can say no and i can put these boundaries and they're going to respect that
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: yeah that's really encouraging so cat how does Jesus meet you in this situation and affect the way that you relate to your parents as an adult because mm-hmm. of these differences?
2: I think one of the mercies that he's given to me and my parents is uh, we have more tolerance for each other's mistakes. We all have some perfectionist tendencies. I think it's been really good for us to realize, like, I think especially for me, like they're struggling because they're doing it for the first time. but. And for me to realize, like, and give them that grace of like, oh, they're just figuring it out too. Mm. I think it helps me cut them some slack sometimes and be less angry maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think I can definitely see him at work in like some of the conversations we've had, we've had and we really have reached a good place. I think where I can come home and visit with them and there's no big fights or blowups, we've gone to the place where we can apologize when stuff like that happens too, instead of just like you know what happens and then you could just kind of get up and the next day and forget about it. Oh.
0: That's so good. Yeah. Like actually addressing issues is yeah. so healthy.
2: Yeah. And in counseling, some of my professors call it rupture and repair. Mm. Like you rupture the relationship when you fight and mm. then you repair it when you apologize. Mm. And I think, yeah, so many of my relationships, it was just rupture and like ignore. <laughs> <laughs> and there wasn't
1: really any repair happening. Mm-hmm. It's cool though, too, to see. You know how Jesus can meet you in the middle of that mm-hmm. and be almost like the, li- the liaison, for lack of a better term, in that reparation, yeah. which is extremely important, especially if you do want to make amends with your parents. Mm-hmm. But Christopher, how about, how about you? How does Jesus meet you and affect the way that you relate to your parents as an adult?
0: I think it's similar to what Kat was saying. The one thing I wrote was like, I can sum it up in one word, and that would be grace. Mm-hmm. I think there have been countless times where I've been tempted to just think that my relationship with my parents is it's dead. Like there's no way that it can get any better than this. Like there's no way it can be real or genuine. Or there's there's no way that it can be repaired. I think in general our brains focus on the negative way more than the positive. Mm-hmm. And I've been tempted so many times to just focus on all the negatives of my parents and be like, all right, I don't. I don't need that. I can't deal with that in my life. Like, it would be better to just walk away um, or just like withdraw to the point where there's very little meaningful relationship. And I think Jesus has always met me in that struggle and that temptation and be like, Mm. don't you see like they're just as broken as you are? Mm. Mm. Um, They're going through like the same pain and the same struggles and the same. Just figuring life out that you are. Yeah. And if Jesus can look at them, and love them, and Mm -hmm. show them grace, then who the heck am I to say no? Yeah. To say that there's no hope.
2: I think the balance of that is really hard, too. The balance between, like, your parents... You know, all parents do make mistakes, and Mm. they mess their kids up in some way and you know being able to like extend grace to them like God's extended grace to us but also be like yeah i'm genuinely hurt yeah. and i'm genuinely angry
0: mm-hmm. like not ignoring yeah the issue yeah yeah so i think that it's so easy to look at them through my hurt eyes and see like just all the negative things that they've done and almost ascribe that you know, at times to who they are and like, mm-hmm. and things like that. But then, I feel like I'm reminded of how Jesus looks at all of us. who Kat, like you said, we're all sinners, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> I have a, a good friend and he, he always says, he's like, you suck, I suck, but Jesus loves you. And it's so simple and maybe stupid, but it's so true. And being able to remember that Jesus looks at us as if we're dressed in white with all of, our, all of our wrongs made right. And he adores us and delights in us. And to try to look at my parents and ask him to show me, to let him see my parents in the way that he does, hmm. um, I think has been a huge grace and a huge help.
1: Hmm. I'm going to follow up with a question. Okay. What would, you dis- what would you say to someone who has a parent Or both parents even that just internally even after you know trying to repair that relationship you just feel like there's there's no hope what's what's next for them
0: that is a really good question so in matthew 18 jesus kind of lays out a template for how to handle conflict within the church and so he says if your brother or sister sins against you Go and talk to them about it personally just you and them so that you can restore your brother or sister and if they repent then you've won them back and so I think it's important to note that in addressing sin which we're called to do we're not called to ignore it or to let it lie we're called to address it head on with the person individually first in order to win them back Jesus's goal is restoration not blaming or, or anything like that mm-hmm. if that doesn't work Jesus says then grab a a couple trusted individuals in the church and, and talk to them again about it and see if they will repent And then you've won them back If they still don't do that bring that to the larger church body Maybe that's you know, I don't know exactly what context that might look like now Maybe it's the elders or a pastor that your family trusts and get them involved And if they still are not willing to be restored to you in a relationship and repent then Jesus says that person's probably no longer a brother or sister and so they shouldn't be treated with the same level of trust and so I think if I was talking to someone who has tried all of these things and 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 Jesus's heart is for reconciliation which is why he puts all of these steps in because he's like don't I was tempted you know one time to be like all right I talked to my parents I addressed it head-on didn't work Now I guess I'll just, you know, withdraw. And I guess maybe they're not a brother or sister. Maybe I can't trust them. Mm. But I remember Jesus's words. And I was like, oh, he does say do that, doesn't he? And that was the hardest thing to do. But I actually like bringing some trusted friends along and actually having an honest conversation with them too. I felt actually brought a lot of healing and and reconciliation. Mm. And it was scary, but um, I'm glad that I did it. Mm.
1: That's
2: cool.
1: Well, and with that... And Kat, I'll start with you. What is the biggest day to day challenge for you as a Christian
2: in relating to your parents as an adult? I think the hardest part is my parents and I sometimes disagree on what the fifth commandment means to honor your father and mother. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's no
0: bias on either side, right?
2: Oh, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they sometimes interpret that as it means agreeing with us about politics, or it means letting us interpret the Bible and agreeing with that. And it means not getting a tattoo. Yeah. And that, that has been like a difficult part in our relationship. And my default is to push against what that means and not, not as much to like see it as a privilege or like a joy to like figure out ways to honor my parents. It's more like how, how much can I get away with and still be technically honoring Mm
0: -hmm. them? (laughs) Like how close can you get to the line? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't, I don't think that's really the spirit of the law.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I I don't think it is.
2: No.
1: Christopher, how about you? What's the biggest day-to-day challenge for you as a Christian in relating to your parents as an adult?
0: I think it's similar. I think, like, maintaining the tension between, like, loving them and showing them honor because, you know, they're my elders and, like, they've honestly, like, you know, your parents are the people that have done the most for you. Most mm-hmm. likely, right? There's mm-hmm. probably a few circumstances where that's not true. But they've clothed you, they've educated you, mm-hmm. all that. And showing them respect and honor for that and loving them um, as Jesus calls us to, but then also like giving yourself permission to have your own opinions and to have those healthy boundaries while also respecting their opinions, not agreeing with them, but like, yeah. like okay. Like I respect that you and your free will chip, like choose that. Mm. That doesn't mean I agree with it. doesn't mean I endorse it, but I respect you. And I think, um, you're not
2: going to write them off as a person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not right. right <laughs> yeah. Off. I'm like, oh how (laughs) close-minded our elders are. (laughs) Um, But I did want to uh, follow up to finish answering because I feel like there was something that I missed adding in that last question that you asked me. Because like what happens if your parent after all that time doesn't want to reconcile or repent? And like what does not having them as a brother and sister look like? And I, I don't know if I have like a full answer to that. But if someone honestly has tried all of the all of the methods that Jesus laid out I think it would look like still showing them love and respect mm-hmm. as a parent and an individual but there would definitely not be a whole lot of trust there that you would give a brother and sister in Christ mm-hmm. and even if there is repentance that doesn't necessarily mean trust has to be fully given there still should be some you know boundaries because trust is something that's earned Um, forgiveness can be given, but trust has to be earned. So I think that's just healthy for everyone on both sides of it. But I just wanted to add that.
1: Thank you. And I I do think it's really important to emphasize on boundaries because where it can be interpreted that, you know, boundaries are like, oh, you're putting up a wall against me. Oh, Mm. you don't want me a part of Mm. your life anymore. But no, I mean, for the sake of you and your relationship with them and being able to keep things without hostility and you know maintain the peace showing them that respect but still protecting yourself from any further trauma or mm-hmm. you know if there are kids in the picture and to think about the things that you want them to be exposed to and be around I think is important mm-hmm. so yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up
0: yeah yeah it's never a simple you know black and white solution
1: yeah yeah absolutely and There are so many of them that I know we won't have covered them all by the end of this episode. (laughs)
0: Yeah, for sure not.
1: Kat, what have you learned about yourself in this experience and your experiences with your parents that you wouldn't otherwise know? Hmm.
2: Interacting with my parents keeps me humble. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think, you know, sometimes when I'm in St. Louis and I'm living my life and, you know, I start to think, like, I'm really, like... I'm not that bad. And my parents are like, <laughs> 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 you know, I'm pretty reasonable. And, you know, I try hard to have a good relationship. And I'm a pretty loving person. And sometimes, you know, my parents just don't meet me halfway there. <laughs> and then I get home and I'm like, oh my gosh, am I 13 again? Mm. Like, I'm, I'm sure you guys have experienced that. <laughs> <laughs> just turned into this brat yeah, like, I'm like why,
0: why am i being so petty about like, yeah you know yeah not washing my spoon that i put in the sink right or whatever,
2: right know? yeah something else that i recognize is that i see myself like you know when my parents are arguing two sides of an issue like i see myself you know i think i'm on the right side and i'm arguing reasonably and then i realize that i'm just doing the same thing that they're doing but on the other side of an issue mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the other day my mom and i were hanging out and she said um she was like you and your dad have the same personality but you just have different opinions and i was (laughs) like you are correct (laughs) yeah (laughs) yes and so that's been helpful too to be like oh they're just doing they just have a different opinion about this but we're just both arguing our own opinions Mm
0: -hmm. like you know i might get on my mom for her tendency to be so black and white but then like i can see like i'm just you know she might be arguing like black side and I'm arguing like white yeah, side but it's yeah. still like just as absolute yeah as uh as each other I'm like oh okay like you know yeah let me take a step back here
2: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and I have a lot of friends in my counseling classes who are older than me and are married and our parents and I have the luxury of working through my story in my counseling program from the from the viewpoint of like a single person with no kids and working through you know the ways that my family's hurt me, and you know the ways that I've hurt them, and they have to they have to also work through the ways their parents have hurt them, and the ways that they've hurt their own kids. And so it's made me re- actually really grateful for only having to pro- like it's enough to process my own family of origin, but to ha- to have to process a new family too. Like I'm like I don't know how you guys do it. <laughs> mm. So it's I've been really grateful for that. Um,
1: That's got to be really humbling too to sit through a class and be like yes. Oh my gosh, you know, here I am going through all the things that my parents put me through. Yeah. And here I am doing it to my kid. And, yeah. you know, where does that generation stop? And then it really just forces mm-hmm. you to think about that a lot. So
2: yeah. I still have that arrogance of like, I surely wouldn't do that to my own children.
0: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it would be something else. Yeah. You right. Know? It's like, but I think something important to recognize, and I'm sure it's easy to recognize when you. Are a parent and you're, you're also dealing with the ways you hurt your kids, it's mm-hmm. like, but first and foremost, bef- before we're ever sinned against, we are perpetrators of sin, Yeah, you know, and so like, before we're the victim, we are in need of forgiveness, um, and the biggest sin is not what's been done to us, but, but what we've done before God, and I think that also brings a sense of humility yeah. to any relationship that we enter.
1: And Christopher, what have you learned about yourself in this experience that you wouldn't otherwise know?
0: I think I've learned that I can be pretty stingy with grace and not wanting to, to give it and dispense it mm. as easy as I would think.
1: Well, in the spirit of continuing our conversation on Jesus, Kat, what have you learned
2: about Jesus himself in this experience that you wouldn't otherwise know? Yeah, I think we were, we were talking earlier about how Jesus set boundaries too and how most of his interactions with his mom or his brothers, <laughs> he was disappointing them or saying no to them Mm. and I think that is a good reminder that boundaries are healthy and they're Christ-like you know I think you could easily skew that and say you know that just means that you can say no to your parents whenever you want and I think it's a you have to find a good balance but
0: yeah
2: and also like Jesus is generous God is generous to me and he's been really generous to provide me with good friends and mentors and professors who can have conversations with me that my parents can't have or can help me work through things in my life or have a different perspective or who point me back to christ and uh, point me back to greater love and patience with my parents and greater understanding you know Mm -hmm. my friends in my counseling program who are parents who are like yeah, it's hard. They're like, yeah, that's hard. and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm being really hard on my parents because <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. their parents too, And they're like, it's really yeah. hard. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, that, that single person arrogance. So yeah, just uh, being grateful to the Lord for what the people he's put in my life provided me with. Yeah. Christopher,
1: what have you learned about Jesus and this experience that you wouldn't otherwise know?
0: I think it was kind of touching on that question that we talked about earlier i think i've learned how much jesus's heart is for reconciliation and that jesus never writes anyone out of his story i think it's like really easy to be like oh like or you know my parents have messed up so much or or you know you can even do it to yourself and be like i've messed up so much you know how could jesus still love me or want me or, or love them and want them but his heart is totally for you wherever you're at and he so you know wants his children to come back together and reflect the body that he has made us to be and something that i feel like is super special to me is when jesus is talking about bringing two or more people to help with the reconciliation process he says he says that famous verse that we all hear you know, wherever two or more are gathered, you know, there I am among you. And, you know, people use that completely out of context all the time. I heard a pastor say once, like, they they use it when, like, not enough people showed up for Bible study. (laughs) Oh, but don't worry, where two or more are gathered, you know, Jesus is here. Okay, yeah, Jesus is there, you know. But, like, he's also there when you're, like, crying in your bedroom, too, when you're just one. So the context of that verse is so powerful because it means that, he is in the reconciliation process in a very special way mm. that he's not otherwise. And um, just to know his heart behind that and his heart for us, you know, and our parents yeah. is really cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and it's like, encouraging to know too that no matter what you're going through with your parents or just in general, that like he's, he's right there with you, he's sitting with you in that, like he's not letting you bear that burden alone. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, if, if, we, if we call upon him, we cry out to him, like, he's going to listen to us yeah. and be there to help us through, see us through that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So Kat, what are the most helpful steps in building and maintaining re- healthy
2: relationships with parents in your perspective? I think it's really important to figure out who you are apart from your parents your parents make up so much of your identity like as a kid and as an adult too like the family you grew up in has a huge impact on you Absolutely, um, you know for good and for bad mm-hmm. you know we have a word in counseling differentiation differentiation means figuring out how you who you are apart from relationship and sometimes it's really difficult you know your parent you live with your parents for 18 years sometimes longer and yeah it's really difficult to know who you are apart from that relationship, but it's really, really important in order to be like a healthy and whole individual. And it's really good for, you know, for both of you to figure that out too, you know, cause their whole life when you're a kid is like taking you to stuff and picking you up from school and mm-hmm. feeding you and making yeah. sure you take a shower. And, and then all of a sudden you're an adult and they don't have to do any of that anymore. And it's really important to figure out what, That those new roles look like of being a kid but also being an adult and having a parent. I think the time that I have with my family now that I you know don't live in North Carolina anymore it's I value the time more because it's less and it's been really good for me to spend time away from my family but also to come back and to try to focus on being present when I am here. So I think it's important to spend time with your parents and away from your parents and to I mean we talked about this before but navigating disagreements with your parents like you're going to start saying no to them and you have to figure out how to do that. And sometimes you say no and you're like, you have to go back and be like, actually, I really wish I'd listened to you, mm, Yeah, <laughs> which is my, one of my least favorite things, but <laughs> I definitely don't do that enough. And then sometimes your parents ask you to do something and you're like, actually, I don't feel like I need to do that. Like, so yeah, figuring out how to, how to say no and not being that well. And
1: Christopher, in your perspective, What are the most helpful steps in building and maintaining healthy relationships with parents?
0: I feel like as you're growing and differentiating, as you say, like who you are, after you've processed with like your tight-knit community, like keeping them abreast of your maturity, where you are, where you're thinking, and just being open and honest with that instead of being closed off. Because when you're being closed off, you assume, oh, my parents won't understand And you're not giving them the opportunity to prove that maybe you can trust them Mm -hmm. in ways that you might not have thought of before. You know, you might think, oh, my parents will never understand that I'm struggling with X, Y, or Z. I won't open up to them. Maybe they won't, but maybe they will. And if they don't, then hopefully you have other close people that you can, but at least try. Mm -hmm. And give them that opportunity and benefit of the doubt.
1: Yeah, and sometimes that genuine conversation and just being upfront and honest and allowing them to hear your perspective from a completely like humble tone mm-hmm. might do some good. You just never know.
0: Yeah, and we're all helping build each other up. It's not always just, you know, parents giving us advice for new ways to think. It, it can also be, you know, maybe us giving them new ways to think about mm-hmm. the world.
1: Absolutely, though it can be very scary. Yeah. <laughs> well, what advice would you give to someone who is just starting to redefine
2: their relationships with their parents as an adult?: Kat? I think just remembering that your parents are trying to figure things out like you are and you know trying to apologize when things get messy because they are going to get messy, mm-hmm. remembering that it's never going to be perfect, yeah as much as I would like it to be it's never going to you know there's n- there's no perfect path through it. Mm learning to set boundaries. I've learned that I need, you know, a day or two on each end of a trip with my parents. I need rest from working and then I need after tomorrow when I go back to St. Louis, I need time like a day or two to get my life in order before I start classes. Yeah. And my, you know, my family, I love that they want me there as long as possible, but you know, I have to say, you know, I have a week and a half for you and that's all I have for you. And, you know, putting aside that time, being like, I need these two days for me. And remembering, (laughs) this is a hard one. Remembering it's not your job to manage your parents' emotions. Mm -hmm. So when you make a decision that makes them angry or they're disappointed or they're confused, remembering, like, good communication is important. But it's also, like, if they're upset about it, like, sometimes you just have to let them be upset. And that's really hard. Yeah. um, Because we don't want to disappoint our parents. But... um, Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you're making a decision that's a good decision, and you're like, I'm going to stick to this, saying like it's okay if they're upset about this or they're disappointed, yeah. And it's not your not your job to try to keep them from being angry. You know, I love that you
1: I love that you brought that up because I think it's so important to you know note that you can't control their actions and their emotions, but you can control how you handle that. You can control where you take that and what you do with it. and and ultimately how you let that affect you because their actions and their emotions don't define you Mm. or the things that you do say, believe, et cetera. Mm. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Christopher, how about you? What advice would you give to someone who is just starting to redefine their relationships with their parents as an adult?
0: I would say definitely just make sure you have wise counselors in your life as you're moving out and in college or wherever, have those wise counselors that can offer you like an unbiased perspective. Cause I think sometimes if you're just going to make decisions about your parental relationship by yourself, <laughs> it's not going to go well. You're going to react <laughs> very rash, mm-hmm. you know, very reactionary. And I know for me, that was the most helpful thing to be like, okay, maybe they didn't mean it this way. Like, let me cool down. Um, my campus pastor in college was so helpful for navigating that as I was like trying to redefine, my relationship with my parents and he kind of always steered me in a way of, of wisdom and, and patience and, and reconciliation. And so having those people in your life that can, that can give you that guidance because Kat, like you said, like our parents are also like trying to figure this out yeah. too. So it's helpful to have that.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's really encouraging. And thank you for sharing that. So I have one fun and final question for you both. Okay. Since you're here, answer me this. What is a movie that you really like that if somebody didn't like, it would be extremely hard for you to be friends with them?
2: Ooh. I wouldn't like kick you out of my life if you didn't like this movie, but I feel a lot of kinship with someone when they appreciate Napoleon Dynamite.
0: <laughs> Never seen it. Yikes. But that doesn't mean I don't like it.
2: Okay. That's true. Well, you, don't, you just don't know. Well, now
1: now I feel like we're going to have to have like a group movie date and watch this movie. That
2: would be great. I'm so down. I think you would like it, Christopher. It's just really goofy. And
0: I'm down for it.
2: The main character is a nerd, which I relate to. And I
0: thought you were going to call me out.
2: People make a lot of I references. I mean, you would relate to it, too. <laughs> I feel like once you watch yeah, this movie, yeah. you're going to be like, oh my god. It's gosh. a cool classic. What about you?
0: I'm going to say The Dark Knight.
2: Mm. If
0: you don't like The Dark Knight, it's not that I won't be friends with you, but I feel like it would very much hurt the closeness of our friendship mm. because there's so much that speaks to me, and it's such a, a childhood movie for me. Like I grew up on it, and if you can't share that with me, that that would just that would just hurt it, you know.
2: I totally agree. Yeah, it's a great movie.
1: It is. shells Well. I don't really know how well I would get along with people who don't have any kind of appreciation for Mrs. Doubtfire, (gasps) but um, it's one of my all time favorites. And if you don't like that movie, I don't think you have a soul to say. (laughs) It's hilarious. I'm also kidding. But um, but yes, that is definitely one of my favorite movies. I I would still love you, but I would have a lot of concerns about the state of your mental health if you didn't enjoy it.
2: But you're not a mental health professional. I am not, (laughs) no. Christopher, have you seen Mrs. Doubtfire?
0: Not all the way through. But again, not saying that I wouldn't like it. You know, I have a sort of. All right, well, I
1: guess that's the next movie in our movie marathon that we're going to have to cover. Um, Well, anyway, Kat, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of
2: Since You're Here. Thanks so much for having me. This is a lot of fun.
0: Thank you all for tuning in and listening to Episode 3, Part 1. Stay tuned for Part 2, where we will hear this discussion from the parent perspective. If you liked our content, please subscribe and share. And if there are any difficult topics that you would like us to address in future episodes, please email us at sinceyoureherepodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. See you next time.
2: From my last broken heart Somehow more than what I had to start Yeah, I've got spare parts